Welcome to the Financial Copilot podcast and video channel where airline pilot and CFP professional Dan Lomar shares techniques, interviews, and perspectives about financial planning and life in general for airline pilots. Here's your host, Dan Lomar. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another video. The question we're talking about today, what is the best retirement portfolio for you? There's no one best portfolio out there. There's a lot of rules. You might hear a lot of things like uh, you need to be in a 60-40 portfolio, which is 60% equities, 40% bonds and cash. Uh, you might say, you hear things like, hey, the older you get, the more conservative you need to be. You know, possibly uh, there's a rule out there that says uh, as you age, you should have your age. Uh, you know, the percentage of your bonds and cash in your portfolio should be your age. Would mean like hey, if you're 70 years old, you should, you should have 70% uh, bonds and cash. There's a lot of rules out there. The fact of the matter is there's no one best answer. Really, it comes down to what it is for you. And that's why I asked the question, what's the best retirement planning portfolio for you because there's trade-offs, there's risks, there's rewards, there's things that we want to trade back and forth. And really what it comes down to is what you're willing to do. And that's what we're talking about in this video right here is some things to consider and you make it up your mind as to what the best portfolio is for you. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another, uh, another video. I'm Dan Lomar, CFP professional with United Wealth Management, where we specialize in parent management and financial planning for pilots at United Airlines. And like many of you, my business partner, Alan, and I are both uh, pilots for United. Welcome back to another video. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, if you got questions about this stuff, shoot me an email. Uh, I'm pretty good about answering those things uh, as they come in. And uh, if you want to have a meeting and as to how we can apply these things for your situation, I'm open for business. I'd be glad to talk about these things in your context. And I hope I offer you some good ideas here as to things you can think about. If you haven't done it yet, um, subscribe. Hit the bell icon so that you know when new videos come out. And uh, spread the word. Uh, as I bring you these videos, do me a favor. Spread the word out there. Share them. Because uh, those who are not watching it probably need to watch it the most. And I still, all the time, talk to folks Coming up on retirement, they say, I wish I would have known that 10 years ago. So that's kind of what we're talking about uh, in all these videos, is uh, trying to get the word out there, trying to help the fellow our fellow pilots, and um, and provide some good education. So that's what it's about. Spread the word. Last but not least, hey, uh, don't take this as tax, legal, or investment advice. So this is for educational purposes only, and it's up to you to decide how these ideas and concepts fit into your financial plan. All right, so let's get into it. We're talking about... Retirement Income Planning. This is a continuation of my series videos on retirement income planning. Uh, all the different things to, uh, to think about. And again, the overarching objective is we're trying to maximize current spending, lifetime spending. We're trying to maximize it. We don't want to just sip off our portfolio and just let it grow and grow and grow. We, we worked hard for it. We're trying to maximize our income. At the same time, we need to make it last over the rest of our life also. So... Um, uh, I don't want to get a call that says, hey, I'm 90 years old and I got $10 million I never spent. And I also don't want to call get a call that says I'm 75 years old and I'm, and I'm out of money. You kind of got to balance those two things. That's really what we're talking about when it comes to retirement income planning, and all these videos, all these decisions that we're trying to make. Um, there's two primary risks we're talking about. In all these talks, uh, there's really two things we're really, really trying to talk about. We want to increase your income over your lifetime. Inflation, 
2022, we've seen it more this year than we have really in a long time. So uh, that that's you know that's really right in front of us. Um, so we got to keep up with inflation. That's a risk of um, not being able to afford what we need to. Uh, not five years from now, but you know, 10, 20 years from now, because it it just it's it never goes away. The other risk is volatility. So that is how much uh, our portfolio is going to decline in the near term. And the reason those two things are really opposite of each other is because when you grow the portfolio to keep up with inflation, you're going to be exposed to more volatility. So, the, so we're kind of trading those things off. There's, there, there's, there's nothing's really risk-free. We're just trading one for the other. And again, why it comes down to what's best for you, because you need to make the decision as to what you're willing to, which risk you're willing to take on and how to kind of uh, how we're going to deal with that in your financial plan. So that's really what we're talking about when it comes to these two things. Just a quick review of terms. Allocation, I throw that term out there a lot. It's your percentage of stocks, bonds, and cash. It is the primary driver of investment returns. So if you have a 100% equity portfolio, you're going to have higher expected returns than if you had a 50% stocks or 50 or zero in all bonds. So again, your allocation, I throw numbers out there like 60, 40, 50, 50. That's what I'm talking about. Your percentage of stocks and bonds in the portfolio. I use the term expected a lot because there's no guarantees. It's not a promise. These are just expected things we expect to happen. We, we expect a higher equity portfolio. We'd expect a 100% uh, stock portfolio to perform better over time than we would a uh, something with 50% stocks. We also expect higher volatility from that portfolio. We expect a lower equity portfolio to have lower uh, portfolio, a lower volatility. So 50% stocks, 50% bonds. We'd expect it to have lower volatility. It doesn't It's not a promise. But anyway, I use that term out there a lot. And then when I'm talking about these examples... Um, I'm pretty much I'm talking about a globally diversified portfolio using mutual funds and ETFs, exchange-traded funds uh, that have uh, upwards of 10,000 individual stock positions in, inside the mutual funds. So very, very diversified portfolios, uh, no concentrated holdings. I'm not talking about, hey, you can do this scenario using you know, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, whatever you're, whatever you're choosing. So we're talking about uh, very, very broad holdings. Um, some of these arguments wouldn't stand up uh, if you're talking about concentrated positions. Uh, and in the examples I use, I use a, a simple, I can't, I can't replicate my mutual funds back to 1966 or 1928 or whatever year I'm referring to. They, weren't, they didn't exist back then. So I have to use substitute indexes that are similar. So like the S&P 500 and intermediate term treasury funds. So uh, that's kind of what I'm using in kind of the examples. Anyway. Want to kind of lay out some uh, some uh, some uh, groundwork there before we get going. Uh, let's pick up where we left off. In my last video I talked about the four percent rule. Um, the four percent rule basically is uh, it's rule of thumb that suggests retirees can safely withdraw four percent of their savings during the year they retire, and then adjust it for inflation each uh, subsequent year for thirty years and not run out of money. So this comes from a study by Bill Bangan, nineteen ninety study in the 90s, and he wanted to say what's the most we could take out each year, just like the rule describes here. And he basically came up with a, what caught on is the 4% rule. So you could, so if you had a million-dollar portfolio, you could take out $40,000 a year and then adjust it for inflation each year and 
so on and so forth. And the 4% rule is kind of what caught on because it caught on with based on a 60-40 portfolio. 60-40 portfolio is considered a balanced portfolio. It's not the end-all, be-all. It is, um, it's kind of what historically has offered uh, the best trade-off between risk and return or volatility and return. Uh, it's often cited as a, as a good retirement portfolio. Um, but anyway, so those two things, the 4% rule, the 60% allocation, 60-40 allocation, they kind of caught on. But the fact of the matter is the study also said, hey, that's not really a 4% rule. It's actually a range from, say, around 3.5% to somewhere around 5%, depending on what your allocation is. So if you had a higher allocation in equity, 70% stocks, 30% bonds, probably pull out more. If you're more conservative, you can pull, pull out less. And so that's what the actual study does. And I did that video. That was my last video I did. Uh, that kind of explains what that's about. And I, the reason I explain that is because, again, you hear that rule quite a bit. And a lot of the research and a lot of studies we do are based off that. They're not, not based off it, but that's kind of where we start. Uh, so here, I replicated that study myself using uh, historical returns provided by dimensional fund advisors. I started out with a 60-40 uh, uh, portfolio. We're pulling out, uh, we start with a million dollars. We start out pulling uh, $40,000 a year out. I really replicated this using a, a built my own spreadsheet. Lo and behold, it came up with the same thing. Imagine that. Uh, increase in uh, your income. So the red line is, in, is income. The blue line is your portfolio value over time. And I increased income each year with actual uh, CPI data. So whatever inflation was that year, I actually increased it that year. Didn't use an average return or anything like that. It's the actual sequence of uh, inflation data. And this is really what it looks like. You know, the portfolio fluctuates up and down here. Uh, the last 10 years, you get a pretty good drop in the portfolio to the point where 30 years later, it, it, you run out of money. Uh, but it's able to sustain that income um, for the most part during that, uh, that inflation-adjusted income that, for the most part over that 30-year period. So that's kind of what the rule looks like. It replicated it. I'm glad to see it came up with pretty close to the same results. Um, Kind of talked about the 60-40 portfolio. There's nothing magic uh, about it. Um, so let's kind of take a look at some other uh, some other portfolios. You kind of compare uh, the and show the, the contrast between the volatility and the returns you get versus how well they keep up with inflation. Um, just a quick reminder, I, uh, one of the first videos I did on um, retirement income uh, planning, uh, I talked about using the total return approach. So um, we're not relying, in other words, we're looking at the total return of the portfolio. We're not relying on dividends and interest. Um, we, don't, we don't avoid them. We just don't count on them. We're not trying to generate dividends and interest, interest to create uh, cash in the portfolio. We use the total return approach. And this is the order in which we, we kind of generate that income. So when stocks have a good year, we pull from stocks. If they don't have a good year, we pull from bonds. If neither one of them had a good year, we pull from cash. And, uh, and, and when I say pull from, we're, we're creating the next year's income uh, so that's sitting safely in a money market account. Um, and then if neither one of them, if we run out of cash, we're pulling from bonds. And then last but not least, we don't really want to pull from stock positions after they've had a negative year. We, we try to avoid that to the maximum extent possible. Uh, so again, just to kind of review, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of where we are and where we implement these things. And that's kind of order the order of withdrawals we we kind of make those returns. You can really get deep into saying, well, what accounts do I pull from? 
taxable accounts, tax deferred accounts, tax free accounts. It's a whole nother topic area. And that too can have an impact on the longevity of the portfolio or your ability to pull from it. But that's a whole different argument. Or it's, it's, a, it's an additional argument uh, that different, I should say, not argument, it's another consideration. So anyway, we're keeping it pretty simple uh, for the most part in this one. So let's look and see what other allocations look like starting in the worst year to retire in 1966. So again, we look at the 60-40 allocation before. This is the 50-50, okay? So 50-50, uh, 50% equities, 50% stock mutual funds, 50% bonds and cash. As we can see here, it just doesn't have the same growth potential. It doesn't keep up with inflation as well. So again, that's that inflation risk. Lower expected volatility from this portfolio, but we're taking on inflation risk. And so in lo and behold, what we do here is we see in year 28, we actually run out of money in that year. And then they, we have a decline in the portfolio. It starts at about year 20. It drops off pretty quick after that. So that's what a 50-50 portfolio looks like. What does a 70-30 portfolio look like? Okay, so um, here we are, 70% stock mutual funds, 30% bonds and cash. Starting in 1966, the exact same scenario. And we can see here, it keeps up with inflation be good, pretty good. We have that, that growth we're looking for, uh, sustains our uh, inflation-adjusted spending, and the portfolio fluctuates up and down. There's no question about that. We have a pretty good drop here from the fourth year, 1970 through 1980, because we're making withdrawals. Um, and, uh, but then we, you know, we have more exposure to the bull market in the 1980s. And so we have a pretty good recovery there. And, and lo and behold, um, we, we don't run out of money. So again, that is, that's the kind of the upside of having a higher stock uh, position in a, in a retirement portfolio. And so, um, as you can see here, you know, it just, it's, it's a better, it just does a better job growing, keeping up with inflation adjustments. But then again, it has a higher expected volatility. Maybe someone is not as comfortable with this drop. But at the same time, if we look at the 50-50, that drop was not actually, it wasn't exactly nothing either. Okay, so you're still exposed to those things. Um, but uh, year over year, these, these minor fluctuations are probably a little bit less. But anyway, so those are some things to keep in mind as we kind of compare. We've seen now the 60-40 allocation the 50-50 right here, the 70-30. So again, which which is more risky to you? And that's really what we're talking about. Um, uh, one other example, if we looked at the 50-50 in 1973, okay, so we started in 1973 instead of 1966, the market supports those withdrawals. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so we, but we just, we don't know where we're going to end up. We don't know what the next 30 years is going to look like. So we do start out by kind of looking at the worst case scenario, but it's not always going to be the case. And I'll talk about some rules where if we have these positive returns, how do we how we take advantage of that also? So, uh, but anyway, so that's just to kind of show you another example of a of a fifty fifty portfolio starting a different during a different retirement period. So you know it's not you're not going to run out of money on every single situation. We're kind of talking about a worst case scenario and a um, uh, and, a, and a better case scenario in this particular situation. So again. There's no wrong or right answer here. It's up to you. Which one are you more comfortable with? Are you comfortable with a portfolio with higher stock allocation, um, higher expected uh, volatility? You might see some bigger declines in it as the market corrects. Um, but uh, better inflation protection is going to keep up with your spending better over time. You, you, should, you can expect that anyway. 
Or are you better off saying, hey, I want more bonds? I have, I have some clients that are extremely, extremely conservative. And uh, they're like, yep, no matter what, I'm, I'm okay with where we are. Uh, and they're willing to accept that risk that they're going to have a lower draw rate and maybe not keep up with inflation over time. So again, which one is more risky for you? Which one's more suitable for you is really a better way uh, to kind of look at it. Uh, so let's talk about improving the plan, okay? Because here's another uh, uh, thing to add on to this. So we are talking about, already talking about, you know, what it looks like if we increase our stock allocation. Uh, what if we did this? What if we said, if I'm willing to accept that inflation adjustment and not keep up with it, um, instead of running out of money, I'm going to say, hey, I don't have to keep up with inflation every year. I'm willing to freeze my withdrawals so that if we have inflation one year, but the market goes down the year prior, I'm okay with saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm gonna, instead of giving myself an inflation adjustment, I'm just going to keep my withdrawal rate with what it is. And that makes a significant difference. And so let's take a look at this. Let's just say we got a 50-50 portfolio, no changes. And as we saw that, that ran out. You started running out of money at about year 28 in this uh, particular situation. Now, if we say to ourselves, hey, in the years following negative uh, returns in the portfolio, I'm willing to keep my withdrawal rate the same. In other words, I'm willing to say I don't need to take a pay raise. And it makes a significant difference on the portfolio. So are you willing to do that? Again, it's up to you. Are you willing to make that uh, that that withdrawal freeze. Um, so that's what it does. This is what it looks like. Your income keeps going up. For the most part, it goes up over the lifetime of the portfolio. And we end up with uh, about oh, $1.7 million instead of running out of money just by simply not taking a pay, or, uh, a pay raise every single year. Uh, you don't have to take a pay freeze. You could say, hey, in some years, I'm just going to limit. I'm going to cap my inflation adjustments. But this is just the example we use here, and it makes a big difference. So the next question is, if we ended this period with $1.7 million, then doesn't that mean, if I'm willing to take a pay freeze, then doesn't that mean I could actually start with a higher withdrawal rate? And absolutely. Uh, so that's kind of what that looks like. Instead of a 4% withdrawal rate, hey, let's, what's it look like if we took a 4.4% withdrawal rate? 10% more money. Uh, in the first year, and that makes a pretty good difference over your lifetime. Also, what's that look like? Obviously, the portfolio fluctuates just like we have seen in the past, but the income actually still um, uh, inflate adjusts every year. We have more lifetime income, uh, more income over a lifetime because we're taking a higher out, uh, money out up front. We're ingesting it with inflation in the years where we have positive returns. And lo and behold, uh, we start out with a million dollars in this portfolio. We end with about 900000 so that's another implication is saying, hey, I'm okay taking some pay freezes, which also means, hey, I might be able to take out more money uh, from the very beginning. So it's another thing to think about. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to improve on this plan. So what if we have better than expected returns? You know, we don't want to be so conservative and then we have these positive returns. And then, like I said, we don't want to be 90 years old and have millions of dollars we never spent. So what are some things? What if we have better than expected returns? Uh, we have some rules in there. We have a rule called the prosperity rule where we can take some measurements and say, hey, our withdrawal rate, the portfolio has grown so much and our withdrawal rate has decreased to the point we can actually start to increase that and give us some inflation adjustments above or some pay raises above and beyond what inflation says. When you do this, we implement a uh, portfolio, um, some rules called uh, the guardrail strategy. So portfolio guardrails. So we kind of determine in advance 
uh, some portfolio values to say, hey, look, if the portfolio value hits this level, we're going to take a pay freeze or a pay cut. Um, if it hits a positive level, we can actually uh, give ourselves a uh, uh, we can actually give ourselves a pay raise. So those are some things to talk about. I'm going to talk about in another in, in another video on how to implement in that implement that. But those are some things to uh, think about. Hey, these are our relative comparisons. We cannot replicate uh, the exact mutual funds, the exact holdings we're using. We can't replicate that. Uh, we don't know the future holds. We don't know if it's going to be exactly like it was in the past. Uh, so just remember, when we're comparing these portfolios, these are all just relative comparisons, expectations, again, as I use that term, expected. And it's ultimately, it's up for you to decide. I've kind of thrown some ideas out here based on uh, some decisions you need to make. There, again, there's no wrong or right rule as to what portfolio everybody should be in. It's really up to you. Which risks uh, are you willing to take? Which ones are you comfortable with? Uh, are you more comfortable with uh, less volatility, more volatility equals more growth? I'm willing to take a pay freeze, uh, maybe even a pay cut. Um, what your initial withdrawal rate, these are all these different things you need to kind of take into account when it comes to what your best portfolio is and kind of then look at these in, in historical terms. There's, there is no one best answer. It's up to you. And that's why in the very beginning, I, I present the question, what is the best retirement portfolio for you? So I've given you a lot to think about. Um, if you got questions about this stuff, hey, um, shoot me an email. Uh, the biggest thing here, though, is that have a plan. Have a plan that works. Don't just hope it does. Um, financial planning is ongoing. Uh, you, you, you start out, things change, life changes, markets change, inflation changes, all this different stuff. And you got to be able to willing. You got to be. Uh, you got to be able to adjust it. Uh, so have a plan. Have some rules set uh, uh, set in place ahead of time, so that we're not just kind of uh, figuring this out. Uh, don't just figure it out as you go. Hey, if you got questions about this stuff, shoot me an email. Um, if you want to talk about it in your situation, hey, let's sit down and talk about how we can work together and maybe apply some of these concepts to your retirement plan, your portfolio. And uh, if you like this video, give me a thumbs up. Remember to subscribe, hit the bell icon so that you know when new videos come out. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Until then, fly safe.